So I'm here with Joanna Watson. Joanna is one of the worship leaders at my church, and she is going to tell her story about the more of God. Hello, Joanna. Hello. Why don't you start out by sharing a little bit about what your faith was like when you were younger? Um, I grew up in the church from the time I was born till now. We were there every time the doors were open. We were at church. So my childhood was a lot of church going, <laughs> um, a lot of scripture memorization, a lot of scripture memorization, and a lot of really everything that revolved around the church. All my friends went to church. Um, I went to a Christian school. So even in that regard, I was constantly surrounded by Christians. I think my first non-saved friend <laughs> was when I was in college and I met a girl who never, I mean, of course I went on mission trips, right? So I met unsaved people there. <laughs> But so, um, you know, but I think like my first experience of like actually having a friend, I was, I was in college. Wow. I was a freshman in college. Yeah. So that was my childhood. All right. So we talked earlier that uh, you lived in the town in the movie Footloose. Yes. You were not. <laughs> yes. You were not able to dance. That's correct. You um, never saw any bad movies. Never. So what's the uh, most risque movie that you saw as a child? Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's actually quite terrifying for a child probably. So. All right, so the part of your story that I have heard was kind of when the Holy Spirit first kind of introduced himself to you in a more spectacular way than uh, you had previously known. So why don't you share a little bit about that time? Yes, I was 19. I was uh, going to NC State at the time and attending the church that we go to now. And I encountered a morning where I had finally left the youth service, so I was no longer attending the youth services and I had come into big church as we wow. right we mm -hmm. called it as kids mm -hmm. so um, I was in big church and the pastor at the time had shared his message I have no idea what he shared about to be quite honest but I do remember at the very very end this very tall man standing up and as soon as he stood up I knew that something was about to happen every hair on my body stood up I remember being on very very high alert I understand now that was my spirit recognizing what was about to happen. But at the time, I, I had no idea. I just knew that I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and so he stood up and he took the microphone and he said, The Holy Spirit has told me that there are three people in this room that need their backs healed. Now, I was okay with that. Okay, so People do have back problems. People do have back problems, yes. <laughs> I was, I, I was okay with that, but he said, so everybody was standing at the time because I think there was like worship or something happening. So he said, I, I'm going to invite all three of those people up. Now, as I recall, my you have to remember I was 19, so my facts may not be, but I remember there was probably 300 people in the auditorium. So, and only three people went forward, only three, which is crazy to think about, mm -hmm. right? because lots of people have back problems, mm -hmm. but only three of them went. And one of them is a lady that I had known since I was a child. And um, our, we, I'd gone to school with her daughter and all sorts of things. So I remember thinking, huh, well, she's going forward, so it must not be too bad. And she was actually the first one that this individual prayed for, that this man prayed for. And she fell down instantaneously. As soon as his hand touched her forehead, she went down like a load of bricks. 
So in that moment, was there a suspicious, skeptical part of you? Were you afraid? Were you concerned for her welfare? What were you thinking in your head? In my head, I was extremely angry. <laughs> like, that's all I was thinking. I was thinking, I cannot believe this is happening. I don't want any part of this. Everything about this is wrong. Um, and so in my 19-year-old hothead way, I, I got up out of the chair and I stormed out of the auditorium. To the point, I made such a scene <laughs> that the pastor of the church actually called my mom and dad that afternoon and said, we know Joanna's not really used to this. We just wanted to make sure she was okay. You know, and my mom very kindly said, you know, Joanna, she isn't used to this. This isn't what she's been, you know, taught to believe is okay. But, you know, she'll, she'll be fine. She just needs to work through some things. So, yes. Was that the first time that you had ever seen something powerful like that happen in church? Yes, I had never seen anything like that before. So, when I first encountered Hope Chapel, it was really cool for me because it was like youth camp all the time. Right? So, I had small doses of the freedom that they were experiencing. So when I started going there at 15, you know, people were raising their hands and I was okay with that because I had experienced that at youth camp. So I was like, okay, this is okay, you know. It didn't seem, that didn't seem threatening to me. And then when I turned 16 years old, I came home and I, I sat down with my mom and dad and I said, I don't want to go to church with you guys anymore. And that was the church I had grown up in here in Apex. And I said, I want to go to Hope Chapel. My dad said, okay. He said, as long as you are listening to what you feel like the Lord is telling you and not making an emotional decision. What was it about those moments of raising your hands or that youth group feel or what, what was stirring in you that caused you to desire to be a part of that kind of atmosphere? So I didn't understand it at the time, but I had always known from the time I was in middle school that something was different. I, something about me was different. I don't mean that in a prideful way. I, I just mean that I would know things that I wasn't supposed to know. I would have, at the time, I just thought, right, like intuition. And I would have these moments that were so personal and so powerful with the Lord. And I didn't ever hear any of my friends talking about that. You know, even, even on all the missions trips I went on and all the camps I went to and all the experiences that I had, I never heard people really describing that personal experience that they were having with him. But I had those. Mm -hmm. And so that's what kept drawing me back. Mm -hmm. I felt like there were other people that I was meeting that were having these experiences. Mm -hmm. So you mean kind of a tangible moment with God where you felt him or you sensed him in some way? Absolutely. Yes. All right. So then this happens in the church. Yes. <laughs> this, this, this lady comes forward. She falls out when he puts his hand on her head. You storm off angry. You go home. The church calls your family. Yes. And, and what was your recovery at this point? <laughs> um, at that point, I actually, I went back to the youth service. <laughs> that was my small answer. Um, so I went back to small church. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was my answer. And then actually um, what happened at that point in my kind of like college career is I went to a different college. I transferred to a, a college away. But I would come back home and I would attend Hope Chapel. And I ended up leading worship. I had done worship in the youth, but I'd never done big church worship. So that was my first experience with that. So as you're doing worship, you know, at big church now again, I'm sure you probably had some moments where you had more powerful experiences with God. Can you think of one that you can share that 
with maybe a step out of your comfort zone again and how you handled that at that time? I remember leading worship actually at a youth camp, but I was not a youth, but they had asked me and actually several other people that still go (laughs) to go and lead worship. And I remember at the very end of the weekend, we were leading worship bills that night and I started saying things that I didn't understand out of my mouth. So sounds and noises were coming out of my mouth that I did not recognize nor have control over. And I really felt Holy Spirit say to me, and this was still, I wasn't sure that he spoke to me this way, but you know what I'm saying. Like in that moment, I was like, wow, I think I'm speaking in tongues. So in your experience with that, um, you were, you said you were not under in control of that. It just kind of happened to you. So this was kind of a surprise attack. Yes. (laughs) And how did you deal with that? Were you freaked out? Were you excited? Um, I don't think I was freaked out. I think I felt I felt perfect peace, um, and, and and it didn't it didn't happen again for me for almost ten years. Wow. So obviously your experiences with the Holy Spirit that did freak you out did not keep you away because now you're back again as the worship leader in big church. Yes. So full circle was I was about nineteen at the time, and then less than ten years later, I actually asked a buddy of mine who had been like learning from this individual to to tell him that if he ever wanted to pray for me if this guy ever wanted to pray for me I was okay with that now so it took you 10 years to get over (laughs) 10 years to get over the thought of him praying got it (laughs) yeah 10 years yep um and then um as soon as our friend in you know told this guy well you know this this friend of ours wants you to pray for her he totally downloaded all of my life to them he'd never met me he'd never had a conversation with me but Holy Spirit told him all of that, and he said, get her in here. I want to pray for her. So full circle, I go. He prays for me, and then that was the one and only time that I fell down in the Spirit. Well, seeing somebody kind of fall out, that's something that can freak a lot of people out. I know the first time I saw that, I was like, what in the world is going on? I'm not happy being here. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I do not understand that. That looks freaky, and I'm not really sure what's going on. So when that happened to you, can you describe what it felt like, mm-hmm. what you were thinking, that kind of thing? So I wasn't thinking a whole lot. My mind was like gone, right? I remember just being completely like still and having perfect peace. And I remember feeling like electricity kind of coursing through my entire body and what's funny is I thought I was calm and what's funny is when I got up, you know, Rob, my husband said, no, you were like hyperventilating. You were like breathing super duper fast. And I was like, no, I wasn't. I was totally calm. He was like, well, that's not what your body was doing. (laughs) So um, yeah, I do agree. Like your first time that you experience that, it can be a little bit freaky because it's that moment where we realize we are not in control. And that is a freaky moment. Even though we're never in control, we have this mentality that we can that we are right that we can control what's happening but when the power of God hits you like that you you understand who's really in (laughs) in charge of the situation I think it's cool how the Holy Spirit can take somebody as freaked out as you were and and had um, different beliefs in your mind about what the Holy Spirit was like or what's appropriate or what's right um, and completely transform your thinking in those areas so thinking about who you were back then and the knowledge that you had back then, the experiences that you had back then, the teaching that you understood back then, what would be helpful to you back then that you now know? Ooh, that's a good question. What would have been helpful? I would say that for years, I used scripture as a weapon 
to facilitate my wrong belief mm -hmm. instead of allowing the scripture to be alive and, um, and, and my understanding to come from Holy Spirit, I allowed religion to help me decipher scripture, which unfortunately was a very bad choice. So I did have years and years where I would use scripture as a weapon towards people if they were doing something wrong or a church. If what they were doing, I didn't believe in, you know, I didn't. So I would say, allow Holy Spirit to be your guide and your teacher when it comes to the scripture and ask him to give you all wisdom because it says he will. Honestly, that's a tough question because I feel like the experiences that I had and how I was raised and what I believed, like what I was taught to believe, it, it's kind of who I am. Like it, it, it's kind of, it's what God created me to be, this spitfire, <laughs> unafraid, big mouthed at times, you know, person. I was just under the wrong influence of understanding at that time. So I, I don't feel like it ever took anything away. I think it was just the steps that Holy Spirit wanted me to walk through so that when the truth was revealed to me, it was like a volcano of eruption of just, I'm, I'm ready to go, you know? So I think a lot of people have different perspectives of what the Holy Spirit's like, or even in regards to the more of God, anything outside of salvation, just mm. anything in excess of that, that people have different understandings. So knowing the Holy Spirit the way that you do, mm. what adjectives or what descriptive words would you use to describe your relationship with him and his personality, his character, the things <laughs> that he's taught you? Um, just kind of personally talk about that. Ooh. Well, speaking about the more of God... I remember sitting in a home group leaders meeting at about the age of 27 and I, I thought to myself, this really cannot be it. This is the most boring <laughs> life ever, right? Like I just remember thinking this cannot be why he died on the cross. I mean, I had that thought. And thankfully, I don't think Paul or Pete, or it was Peter, I didn't, I did not receive that thought of myself. I think that was Holy Spirit giving me some props or some help. So, gosh, my relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's just precious. I, I mean, he is my best friend. Um, I just, I enjoy every moment I get to spend with him. You know, um, every time he speaks, I'm just honored that he speaks to me. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm always overwhelmed by his capacity to love the way that he does. Um, and he's super funny. He is. <laughs> he has an amazing sense of humor. Um, and he speaks in ways to me that always make me laugh, which is my love language, is some sarcasm. Um, and I just, I love that. I love that about him. So as a worship leader, what songs do you love leading in worship that you feel really kind of usher that, that tangible presence of the Lord into the room? Well, for me, they're battle songs. I mean, they are, you know, you can sing a good ballad and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be awesome. But leading a song that is rooted in the truth of my identity in Christ, that's my battle song. That's my battle cry. Anything that is going to totally piss the devil off. Those are my favorite songs. <laughs> Can you give some examples? 
Yeah, right now I love Defender by Rita Springer and uh, Stephanie, however you say her last name. I won't even, I won't even try. I'll just give her props for writing an excellent song. Uh, interestingly enough, a song that Rob and I wrote last week, and it's not even titled. But uh, I sat down at the piano to try to write a love song because a lot of the songs that are coming out right now from Hillsong and all these, they're just piano-driven love songs. And um, so I was like, well, I want to do that, you know. And it was a complete disaster. And I got up from the piano totally and completely ticked at the world and all things, everything. I was so mad. And then the next day, I just, this chorus just erupted out of me. And it was this battle chorus. And uh, the Lord said, oh, that's your love song to me. He said, that's how you love me. And he said, and that's how I created you to love me. When I, you know, first knew God, I didn't really have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I remember loving church, and I remember loving the Word, and I remember loving the fellowship. But I remember this knowing that, like you said, there had to be something more. And I remember hearing this song that talked about how it's great to, to know the Word, but to taste mm. and see that God is good. And that made me realize, like, oh my gosh, maybe it's possible to actually experience God, like, yeah. physically, tangibly, relationally. So I, rem- I, I, I come across people all the time that say they don't, they don't have that experience with God, and they don't think that it's even possible, you know, talking about the intimacy that you share with Him. What are some practical steps that you could maybe offer somebody who is there, who's got the hunger to have that experience, but they don't know how to even explore that? Um, well, first of all, I would say don't try to make it happen. It, it's not anything that we are begging Him to do. Um, it's something he desires to bring to all of us. Um, and our work has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter how often you read your Bible or how often you pray or how often you listen to worship music or if you listen to devil music. No, I'm just <laughs> Don't listen to devil music. You know. <laughs> Strong advice from a worship leader. Don't listen to devil music, people. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> but I would say be open to things that make you uncomfortable. Um, because the minute we get uncomfortable in a setting that we feel safe and that we trust, and I'm not talking about a setting you don't feel safe or trust, trust, but if you trust the setting and you trust the people, but you get uncomfortable, just hang tight because something really amazing is probably about to happen. So in those situations where you feel uncomfortable, but you, you're surrounded in a safe environment, how would you process that moment with God or with people? Yeah, I don't process well with people. <laughs> so... Um, I process with God just, I'm just honest, you know, like, I I don't understand, you know, help me understand, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. I want all of you that is possibly available for me to have, I mean, we have all of him right now, but when I say that, I mean, I want to understand. I want to believe that all things are possible because that's what the scripture says. Um, And so I think just being a, just my time with him of of listening and being still and not thinking that I have all the answers all the time. Any last thoughts that you have? Anything we didn't already cover in your story or anything that, that he's currently speaking to you that you'd love to share with anybody about uh, the more of God? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest hurdles to experiencing the more of God is letting go of fear of man. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a biggie. 
getting to the point where you don't care what people think. You don't care what even your family thinks. You don't care what your friends are going to say. You don't care that you look like a fool up there leading worship, you know, laying down on the stage. <laughs> so can you elaborate on why that would open the doors to the more? Fear is a sneaky little devil, right? He comes in lots of different ways. And fear is one of those things that you talk about and people automatically think, oh, you know, cowering in a corner. No, that's just one aspect. And I think fear um, operates in anger. I think fear operates in frustration, right? I think fear operates in um, envy and strife and all of these things. And so it's, it's so important to let go of the spirit of fear because you can't trust the Lord fully if you're holding on to some fear of what's going to happen to you or what people are going to think or where's this going to go. And so for me personally, fear of man has been the one thing that the Holy Spirit is, is just always freeing me from, always freeing me from. And one day I believe I'll be 100% free. And um, I'm way freer now than I was even six <laughs> months ago, you know. Um, and so I think, I think that's a biggie. Uh, because I think, unfortunately, religion teaches us that we don't want to offend our brother, which is very, very true. But there's a lot of the ways that I worship that are true and reverent to me personally that could also be offensive to other people. Well, it's like when David danced. Amen to that. Uh, it was a little offensive to some people. <laughs> Just a little. He was naked. <laughs> we don't do that at Hope Day I promise. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and, and, and David, man, like, I just learning so much about him, like, his reckless abandon mm -hmm. for worship, he was like, screw all of y'all, this is what we're doing, I'm hiring 400 musicians, I'm gonna pay y'all tons of money, or was it 4,000, I may have my numbers wrong, but, and all you're gonna do is worship and praise the king from the minute, mm -hmm. like, for, for 24 hours a day, all, all day, I mean, for years he did that, um, because he totally understood that the heart of God was to worship him, you know? And you don't have to have a song to worship him. You don't have to dance to worship him. You don't have to paint or wave flags or do any of those things that happen during worship, quote unquote. But to worship him is to, is to recognize who he is, to call him who he is, to stand in your kitchen and to say, gosh, you're so good. Thank you for loving me. And you're so worthy and you're so holy. And I just thank you so much that you chose me and you want to be a part of my life and you want to pursue me and love me. That's worship. And I don't know one of the things that's um, been important for you is with your children and um, teaching them about the Holy Spirit from a very young age. So can you just describe maybe for some parents who want to talk to their children? Speaking of, one of them is right here. Say hello. Hello. All right. <laughs> How, what, you, what kind of advice you would give parents to um, talking to your kids about mm. the Holy Spirit? Well, one thing that I was taught growing up that really helped me and I have carried with my children is learning Scripture. That is a big part. But we teach them Scripture as truth that this is actually something that's going to help you with your life, you know? If you're having a bad dream, you can say, you know, I have not been given a spirit of fear. We also talk a lot to our children about that God's not mad at them ever. They can approach his throne with anything. He wants to talk to them. He's always in a good mood. He's always happy to hear from them. Mom, do you need um, a Band-Aid? I do not need a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. um, and that the Spirit is in them and with them 
all the time. It's not, we are never in a situation of begging the Holy Spirit to do something. It's a relationship that we get to have. It's not a law that we have to have or all these sets of rules that we have to follow. It's a privilege to have a relationship with him, just like they have a relationship with us and they can't ever do anything that they're not going to be our son or our daughter. Um, We can never do, we're not going to do anything that's going to discount us as a son or a daughter. We are sons and daughters. Okay. You're going to give us your scripture, the whole thing? Yeah, do your whole scripture. I do not have. I do not have. Uh, spirit. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Power, love, me. Power, love, and a what? Sound mind. That's right. You got it. All right. You want to take my phone? Okay. Hey, if you can be quiet, I'll get you ice cream when we're done. Oh. But go to the room. Vanilla or chocolate? I got both. (laughs) Go. Vanilla or chocolate? (laughs) He's just rolling down my head. All right, well, thank you for sharing your story. I'd love for you to close by praying for the listeners um, that the Holy Spirit, they would encounter him. So, Father, I just thank you and I praise you that you are always working on our behalf. Um, I thank you that that your Holy Spirit is a gift um, that you want every believer to experience tangibly. Father, I thank you that we are all sealed with the Holy Spirit when we get saved. But I thank you that there is so much more to a relationship with Holy Spirit. I thank you that he is in us and with us wherever we go. And so when we walk into a room, so does Holy Spirit. And I just thank you for that. And I just pray for each and every ear that can hear my voice that they would tangibly experience you today. I thank you that you desire to um, manifest yourself through us and in us. And I just thank you for that. So we just declare in Jesus' name a manifestation of your spirit for every listener that desires that. Lord, we just declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.